Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to the post-Vikings-Lions Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad here with you. And Judd, I don't know where to start with this one because there are so many different ways. So I will just begin with the injury to Delvin Cook. Before we get into the defensive performance, oh, yeah. Case Keenum, where you have to start. whatever else happened today, Delvin Cook goes down in the second half, um, early in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be too dramatic and say that the season went down with him, but if Sam Bradford is out long-term with his knee injury Mm -hmm. and Delvin Cook tore his ACL and is out for a really long time as well the rest of the year, this offense is going to have an incredibly difficult time winning any games for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, we are uh, taping this Purple Podcast from the stadium um, and – just to, to make this clear, no official diagnosis has been done yet, but Mike Zimmer said in his post-game press conference when asked, what can you tell us? And ordinarily, that's when you get the, well, we're going to do an MRI, and we'll let you know when we know said, we're going to do an MRI, and we fear that it's an ACL. So if you're going to go there, it probably is. And, and it's just, it continues the adversity that this organization and Zimmer has faced in the past two years, beginning with the Bridgewater's knee blowing up on the practice field in August of now, what, 2016? Uh, Peterson being hurt in game two of last year against the Packers with a meniscus injury that basically brought his season to an end. Sam Bradford in week one here against the Saints on a Monday night playing probably the game of his life and all of us saying, wow, this is really good, to coming in that uh, Tuesday then and saying, my knee aches, hasn't played since, and now uh, and now Cook and Delvin Cook, I think you said this last week, and it's a thousand percent right. Delvin Cook on this team was the linchpin because he could do a lot of things. He could block and pass protection. He could catch the ball. He could run the ball. All of those things made defenses have to stay honest and were a threat. And all of those things might now be gone. So 
Yes, the, the loss today to Detroit is a tough loss. It started a three-game stretch against division foes. It's not a good loss, and we can uh, get into that. But there is. But if you want to ask me what are stories A, B, and C from this game, it's Delvin Cook, Delvin Cook, Cook, comma, Delvin. So let's go on the assumption that Delvin Cook is out for the rest of the season just because that's where I feel like this stands right now, where everything is pointing is that he tore the ACL and we're not going to see Delvin Cook until 2018. I think it devastates the offense, whether it's Sam Bradford or Case Keenum, but especially if it's Case Keenum. And all we've heard on Sam Bradford is day-to-day, it's day-to-day, and that hasn't given us any indication of how many more weeks he could be out. Maybe it's next week, maybe it's three weeks from now, but it just doesn't seem like Sam Bradford is coming back anytime soon. Could be wrong, things could turn around in a second, but no matter who's playing quarterback, Cook was the difference maker. Yes, they're blocking now much better than they were last year, but the fact that defenses now have to worry about a guy who already broke as many explosive runs as I felt like we saw all of last year, just in his first couple of games, who can come out of the backfield and catch five passes for 72 yards, to make this offense from being sort of one-dimensional and having to go down the field to Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs, to now multi-dimensional, dynamic, whatever you want to call it, that I don't think it's going too far to say the Vikings went from having one of the best running backs in the NFL at this very moment, not his career versus another guy's career or anything like that, but just at this very moment, he was number two in rushing, adding the receiving yards. His pass blocking was very good. Three and all-purpose yards. He was the center of your offense, and yes. he was the only reason they were moving the ball today. I thought that other than a couple of throws down the field, Case Keenum really struggled, and yet he was able to turn. I, I looked over at you, and I said, how about a running back that you can give the ball on second and ten and trust that he's going to get you pretty significant yards to set up for a third and short? Mm-hmm. And now the drop-off from Delvin Cook goes from, in my mind, special player to, okay, NFL running backs who are going to need a lot of help to succeed. Yeah, and if Murray has to play now, he is serviceable, I think, at best. He can block for you. But Cook had that intangible of being dynamic. Latavius Murray does not have that. And and plus, I'll, I'll say this. Without Cook in today's game, that offense is what you're going to get which is you're going to get Thielen and Diggs occasionally making great grabs. But if you go back and, and from the third quarter on, watch after Cook was hurt. If Case Keenum has to play, that is your offense. And that's why the Tampa Bay game, as good as that was for Case, you couldn't get too excited because Case Keenum's the type of guy that you can plug in, especially against a bad defense. You can plug him in for a game or two, maybe three. You can plug him in occasionally, and he can win you a game. But if you have to go to him and say, Case, we need you to consistently help us win football games, he can't do it. And, and if you now take Cook out, this offense, I think, is going to be completely lost. And it, it's not to say that Diggs and Thielen won't make catches. And it's not to say that they won't score points, but what you're going to see is Pat Shermer looking a lot dumber because it's it's hard to be a successful offensive coordinator when when you're asking potentially week after week 
Case Keenum to run, run your offense and having a back like Murray who knows what he's doing but can't come close to accomplishing the potentially dynamic plays that Cook can make for you on a game-by-game basis. Yeah, all of a sudden you go from Pat Shermer feeling like he has weapons coming out of his ears to now feeling like he's got two. And they got Kyle Rudolph more involved in the offense today, but they, I mean, and maybe Michael Floyd adds another shade to it. I mean, that he is coming back after this week. Laquan Treadwell sure didn't. Goodness, that's over. It's just over. <laughs> I mean, that, it, right? It's just over. Laquan Treadwell at this point is a special teams specialist. That is all he is. It's been real fun. There's no Laquan, there there. But it's, it's, there it's liter- done. There literally is no there there. No. Like, there's there. nothing that he can do on offense right now where you say, that helps you. He cannot get open. I mean, nope. it, it seems to be that simple. And when they throw a 50-50 ball his way, he didn't time the jump very well, and the ball was nearly intercepted. It just, he is no part of the offense. So plugging in Michael Floyd might help. He looks really good in training camp. I don't know how he's going to look after having to sit out for four weeks, but my expectation is that he is a good wide receiver. That helps a little bit. But you either have to get Sam Bradford back with great protection where he can work the ball down the field, or you have to have Magic touch Delvin Cook's knee and heal his ACL. Yes, Those are the only two ways this offense is serviceable. I don't even mean great. I think it could have been great with Delvin Cook and Sam Bradford back and Michael Floyd in there. I think in that case, you're looking all over the place and saying this is an embarrassment of riches because Cook is that good. Because he put himself in the category of a LaShawn McCoy or a David Johnson or those guys who can do it all Uh and be the centerpieces of their offense. But if Floyd isn't the same Michael Floyd as he was before, and remember he's coming off a very poor year where the Patriots picked him up and didn't even play him in the Super Bowl. So I don't know where I'm supposed to put my expectation. And then what's lingering over this is – If you have to play Case Keenum, this has been the perfect snapshot. Sometimes it's real good, and you're like, what the heck is this? Sometimes it's real bad, and you can't win at all. And other times it's today. He didn't throw any picks. He didn't throw any touchdowns. He didn't have a great completion percentage. He hit a couple of balls where you went, oh, wow, he lofted that one up, and Stephon Diggs ran underneath it. But when push came to shove, he didn't come through at the goal line. He made some really inaccurate passes. I mean, ones that are just not NFL throws. He screwed up the call on third down at the goal line, yeah, which near Mike, the goal yeah, line. Which Mike Zimmer revealed after the game. And, and so what you have here is a guy that we came into the season and said, 500-type backup quarterback. Your best-case scenario for you is going 2-2 two and two when your starter's out for four games. It's really hard to see this season having much of a chance of ending well if Sam Bradford does not come back in the next couple weeks. Agreed completely. I mean, if, if, you, if we wanted to separate these conversations and Cook, Cook hadn't got hurt today, you would say Delvin Cook gives you an element that you previously have not had, but Case played like Case. And, and this is why you said this, I said this, but this is why you had to bring up after the Tampa Bay game that Tampa Bay, one, defensively played terrible, but two, basically had scrubs in their secondary. The re- as well as Keenum played, you said, okay, one, Detroit's going to watch the film of that, but two, Detroit's better, and they were. Um, but if Cook had stayed healthy today, I would still be saying Case Keenum can't continue to play for you, and if he does, you're in trouble. 
the fact that you've now probably lost Cook for the year or certainly a lengthy period of time and you don't know who your quarterback is. And, of course, this being the Vikings, we are a week or two away from you-know-what happening, the Teddy Bridgewater talk heating up a lot. Is that the answer? I have no clue. All I know is that the amount of offensive adversity that this franchise has had to handle in the past two years is off the charts. It is off the charts. I mean, even if you lose a starting quarterback for one season, people should feel bad for you, right? If you were to lose just Teddy Bridgewater and you had to go out and spend a first-round pick to get somebody else in there, like the Dolphins right now. The Dolphins are a complete disaster. Jay Cutler is just collecting a check and stealing money from them. Oh, he's... I mean, uh, he yes. Hey, yes. hey, Miami. Maybe you regret now not signing that other free agent quarterback who's pretty good and doesn't have a job for reasons other than football. But anyway, uh, but sure, you got Jay Cutler. He's putting in a hell of an effort, isn't he? Anyway, so piece uh, of work. But you feel bad for the Dolphins because, you know, they might have put together a good running back. They've got a couple of serviceable wide receivers or maybe even good. And their quarterback goes down and your season's done. And now it's happened twice to Mike Zimmer in the last three years. And you could even go back before that to the missed kick from Blair Walsh. I mean, this guy can't get a break. A 27-yard field goal goes wide left on him. And then he's got kicker drama last year and bad luck in that way. Uh, played a role in them not making the playoffs. The quarterback goes down. The left tackle can't play. You finally get a left tackle who can play this year. Yep. And then your quarterback goes down again, and now you get a star running back who is also down. I mean, there there just is no end to the number of bad breaks that Mike Zimmer has had uh, basically since 2015. My empathy goes to, more than anybody, I think, the defense. You are seeing... I don't want to make this sound uh, uh, too hyperbole-like because I don't think you're seeing hyperbolic a, is the word. I don't see here. I don't think you're seeing a, a unbelievable greatest defense of all time, but you are seeing a very good defense with some with some gifted players. You are seeing it wasted. You are. I mean, Linval Joseph was phenomenal again today. Um, Hunter was very good. Harrison Smith is incredible pretty much on a week-to-week basis. Xavier Rhodes is, as P.J. Fleck likes to say, elite. You are seeing components of a very good defense wasted, and that's sad. And and Rhodes was very careful today because he, he was asked about the, the offense. And, you know, I think – I think when we ask those questions, we're always thinking in the back of our minds, is the defense going to sever itself and say, we did our job. And Rhodes was very careful to say, we lose as a team. We lost as a team. We all didn't do enough. That's the politically correct and nice thing to say. And it's malarkey because that defense today gave up, what, 14 points to the the Matthew Stafford-led Lions. They sacked Stafford six times. They gave him fits all day long for the most part. They had short fields. In fact, I believe the uh, of the 14 points scored by Detroit, 11 of them came off Vikings uh, uh, miscues by the offense. And so if there's one group of people I actually do feel bad for, it's a defense that has some very good players. And these injuries on the offense are continuing a lot of, a, a lot of the best years from these guys to be wasted. I think it really tells you just how good the defense is 
that when Matt Stafford threw a pass down the sideline, it was a great throw completed in the coverage of Trey Wayans. I got tweets saying we need to get rid of Trey Wayans and so forth. Like the last two weeks, Wayans has been either really good or just pretty good. And he's the only one that you can look at and say, well, he's been a problem on defense. And today I, I didn't think he was an issue uh, at all. But they held the Lions to 3.9 yards per play, which good is like 4.9 would be good. And they held them to under four yards per play. I mean, sacking Stafford, they took him back 55 yards. Mm -hmm. So per drop back, he averaged 4.9 yards. All those stats just tell you that they took an offense that has been really good over the first three weeks and averaged 28 points a game. And they just completely locked them down. Golden Tate didn't do anything. Three catches for 29 yards on the day. And zero in the second half. Two of those came at the very end of the first half when they were sort of playing back. Yep. I mean, this is a good quarterback, a good offense. I mean, Amir Abdullah comes up with a couple of good runs, but that was about it for what they did today. It was a great performance, and it just felt too much like last year and it didn't abdullah have uh two or three of his big runs consecutively with joseph off the field as well he did they ran three times up the middle with joseph off the field i mean joseph was just on the top of his game he had nine tackles if you have a nose tackle get nine tackles he had an amazing he's, day he's right? a special player he was he, he was moving player. down the line and stopping screen passes yep. and stuff he really is a a special player and the the talent here uh glad they didn't trade daniel hunter after three weeks without a sack I give Daniil major credit for his eye roll when someone asked him about getting no sacks through three games. Three games! I mean, What's wrong was, with you? Right, What's wrong with him. you? Get rid of him. Get a punter. Uh, he rolled his hey, eyes. The punter. So, yeah. How about the punter yeah, today? Jeff Locke Jeff Locke came back and he, uh, he showed a lot of people that uh, really, they, they might like him back. Isn't it uh, funny that Jeff Locke stuck it to the Vikings more than Adrian Peterson? You know, I never thought of it that way, but that is good. But that's an aside. This feels way too much like 2016. And even though you can win sometimes with defensive touchdowns or maybe you get a break on a punt return or something like that, it's not sustainable the way that it happened today and even the last two weeks where you get one big offensive performance and then you get one performance where the offense puts up seven points. Now, switching back to the offensive side, Latavius Murray, Jarek McKinnon. When they signed Latavius Murray, our general feeling was that they went from the worst running team to maybe an average running team with Latavius Murray. With Delvin Cook, they were a special running team. They were great. They were top of the league. Now they sink back into the middle. I think you need much more than that if you're going to succeed with Case Keenum. You know what? If this conversation is going to revolve at all about Bradford still being out, I think the conversation just ends there. I mean, Case Keenum, I can't emphasize how much I feel that this guy had his good game. And you might win a few more, but he can't. I don't think you can ask him. I don't even think it's fair to him to ask him to run an offense for multiple weeks. Um, the, the Cook dynamic was so intriguing to me, Collar, because he could do so many things. Um, Th- Thielen and Diggs are, are special receivers who, once again today, although Th- – Thielen had the uh, fumble near the end of the game. But they are special receivers who can go get the ball, and I get that. But Case Keenum's not going to win you games consistently. And so if you're talking about Bradford coming back, I think we can have a conversation about 
how, how does the offense morph? But, I mean, Zimmer was asked post-game today, without Delvin Cook, what happens? And he didn't go, oh, you know, we're going to look at that and be fine. He basically said, we're going to take a huge step back. I mean, he didn't say those words exactly, but if you read between the lines at, at all, he's essentially said, we are screwed. And for him to say that means they are screwed. So the only way that this conversation, I think, has any positives whatsoever is if we say Brantford's going to be back in the next uh, c- couple of weeks, you play a week from Monday in Chicago, and then you play the Packers here at home after that. But if the conversation is Keenum Murray, you know what? Mike Zimmer's right. You're screwed. A couple of little things to just run through, and then let's let's talk about the Teddy Bridgewater scenario. Sure. Um, Wildcat can be put in a spaceship and sent to the sun. Just goodbye, Wildcat. Even with Delvin Cook out, good. Let's just how not. You, let's not how be Wildcat. of that, you put it in the toilet and push the thing and flush it because it it belongs in the sewage. It needs to be in the sun because then it can burn up and never come back. If it goes into the sewer, it might rise like that clown. Like what the, was it? Thing. Uh, but why, why? Why are they still running it? Now, Now today it was worst case because Jarek took the snap and it looked like he was it looked like he couldn't decide if he was going to hand it to Delvin or keep it. So he kept it and the ball literally hit Delvin's butt and he fumbled and Detroit recovered it. But why are they still running it? When have they ever had success? And by the way, it's zero threat because I think the only time the Wildcat is truly going to be a threat is if teams think that guys can throw. And Jarek, who played some quarterback in college, I don't know how, tried to throw it last year in this stadium, and the throw was pathetic. So how did that not get shelved? Like, you you get, when you do your January, okay, let's look at what worked and what didn't, right? You say, this didn't work, we'll never do it again. I th- there were times last year where it got six or seven yards, and I thought it was kind of a necessary attempt to do something off the board, right? I mean, the, the running game was so pathetic that they could have tried anything. They could have handed off to Joe Berger, and I would have said, okay, well, why not? Sure. I mean, just try anything when you're the worst in the league. But when you have Delvin Cook at that time in the game, there's just no need to use that. But, you know, with Jarek McKinnon in general, I mean, if we were doing a first-quarter assessment and we were grading everybody, uh, I think Jarek McKinnon might get a D or an F. I mean – I have been surprised at just how ineffective McKinnon has been. So he's got the fumble here today. He drops a key pass in this game, and that's supposed to be his thing too. I mean, this was a guy that in 2014, 2015 was a very effective role player, and I thought he would go back to being that. And outside of one really nice play in New Orleans, I think he had like a 25-yard catch out of the backfield, he has been non-existent, and now they're going to need Jarek McKinnon to be a lot, lot better than he was. Not fumble on a wildcat, not drop a key pass. The, the drop today was inexcusable, too, because he had the ball and started to run. But there's only one problem with that. you got to catch the ball first. I think what's interesting to me is that's that— That's why you subscribe to the Purple Podcast, analysis like that. That's exactly hard-hitting. But here's what I don't—here's the problem. Or actually, it's not the problem. Here was the good thing that now looks to be gone. The Vikings had all of these guys in the backfield with different roles, they thought, right? McKinnon could catch the ball out of the backfield, and Murray was going to come in on third down and block. And then Eureka, they got to training camp or mini camp 
or OTAs, and guess what they found? Delvin Cook could do everything. Delvin Cook could block. He could catch the ball. He might not be perfect, but he could certainly catch it. He's not bad. And he could run the ball. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, instead of having these three different components, you had them all in one player. And so Jarek McKinnon became, eh, if he can do it, it's fine. If he can't, that's fine too. But if Delvin Cook does get the ball, he can break tackles. Well, now, now you're going to, okay, Murray and McKinnon are poor man's cooks. Can they even pick up the slack there? And when Jarek dropped that ball today, you're saying to yourself, this can't happen. Like, if that's what's going to be the norm now, you are you are sitting on exactly what you saw in 2016 or worse, actually. All right, let's play uh, some agree or disagree to wrap things up here on the Purple Podcast. How about the, t- the Teddy scenario? I thought we were going to talk about oh, the Bridgewater scenario. You yeah, teased I had it. already fast-forwarded. you got to talk about it. Okay. So, what you think? <laughs> I mean, we, we sit here after getting reports after reports of Teddy Bridgewater is coming back. He's going to be ready to go is what pro football talk wrote, whatever that means, right? Yeah, after does, week six, right? Does that mean activated and ready to play? That's how PFT made it sound. That's how it made it sound. I find that hard to believe, and I don't know that you can, in fairness, put a guy who's coming off a catastrophic knee injury back in the lineup immediately and expect much. Asking I, I don't him, think that's fair. Yeah, asking him to come back and save the season is way too much. Yes, and he's going to need – I mean – Let's just let's back this up for a second and, and discuss it in the most realistic, you know, not fanboy, because I'm sure they're all going to have field days about Teddy. But let's talk about this from if we were Spielman, Zimmer, and the Vikings. Okay, he's eligible to come back after week six. Let's say it's going great. So best case, you're going to have to practice him for how many weeks? And I'm talking about you're going to have to practice him. He's going to have to do things. I don't know if you hit him. I don't think you do, but you come as close as you can, right? What's realistic? Three more weeks of practice? Right now, he legally, by the rule, can't practice. I think three weeks probably is realistic to a month. I mean, we've seen other quarterbacks who, you know, get hurt and uh, they sign somebody else and the guy tries to come in and it looks really rough. I mean, Case Keenum has been with this team for a very long time and still had issues his first week having to just come in and try to play, right? So if Keenum could have that that many problems with the offense after being around for this long, that's going to be really tough for Bridgewater to step back in. This is not the same offense that he ran under Norv Turner, right? Right. It's a, it's a, it's a lot different now under Pat Shermer. Right. So he's been in the film room and all that, Judd, the mental reps you've heard so much about. But – in terms of actually stepping up and doing it, yeah, I think at least, I mean, two weeks seems like really fast for me, mm-hmm. maybe three, maybe four. And at that point, if you've had to play Case Keenum that whole time, it's really difficult to see uh, them still being in the race if Keenum has been their quarterback for all that time. I think what you just said, though, at the start of this part of the conversation is the, is the best thing. It is not fair to ask Brid to, it's not fair to go to Teddy and say, save us. It's not. Now, if Bradford comes back, absolutely. Sam, you can play. We need you to play. And by the way, save the bleeping year. I get that. That's fair. But you can't ask a guy who's been out for this long and went through what he's gone through to save you. If you ask him to come back in, you're also going to have to say we accept the good with the bad and no one's going to complain. So if you have aspirations, if you have any aspirations of a playoff berth, I think it's either Bradford comes back. Mm -hmm. Keenum, no way, 
and Bridgewater, that's not fair. It's not, and if you need to play Teddy and you say we're playing him and, and if we get something in 2017, that's gravy, and perhaps he can come back and in, in 2018 the expectations do go up, that's also fair. But he cannot be a guy that you plant back in there and say we need you to save this. You know, maybe I'm with you. The, the only, I, I guess, best-case scenario might be if Keenum continues to start, if you sort of hang around in the race, would be – this is assuming that Bradford is out long-term here, which we don't know. It just doesn't have a great feel to it. Well, I still think it's six weeks from, from the time that Mike brought that up in anger and post-game in Pittsburgh. I think they told him it's six weeks. Okay, so let, let's just work on the premise that it might be longer than that, though. Okay. Because, yeah, you're probably right, but it's just really hard to tell with day-to-day is all we get, right? So let's say that he's out for quite some time. Your best case might be that Teddy Bridgewater gets a month to practice and then finally does start, whether you're in it or not. You can find out over a couple of weeks whether he can play. And that might even be if Sam Bradford comes back after six weeks. I mean, if you're looking at something like three and eight, you should play Bridgewater the rest of the year to find out. Yep. Unless they're afraid of ruining an asset that they could trade. But now, I don't know, with Bradford's issue – how you sign him to a long-term contract. The only thing, though, that is going to sting really badly if they don't make the playoffs this year is that Mike Zimmer came here as a defensive coach and did his job exceptionally well, assuming the defense continues to play like this, Mm -hmm. with great defenses in three of his four years, and the only one that wasn't that great was his first season. And you wasted them, basically. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, this, yeah. this sort of chasing your tail game. Not not you wasted them by anything wrong you did, but with the injuries to Bridgewater, to Bradford, to Cook, you feel like you gave away this shot that only comes along so often. It's difficult to build this type of defense, yep. and you never know how long it's going to stay this good. And if you're uh, Joseph and you are Griffin and you are Hunter and you are Rhodes or Harrison Smith, guess what? The best years of your career are passing you by. The best years of your career, and you and you're doing your job. I mean, you've been good. You've been really good, and your best years are passing you by because of an offense that has been beset by really, really bad luck. I, I mean, the offensive line last year was partially the Vikings' fault, but you also had both tackles hurt, guys got hurt. So, but you've had your best years are going by while the offense can't carry its weight because the key components, including two quarterbacks now been out all right agree or disagree the vikings go into chicago next week and should expect to still beat the bears given the vikings um history in soldier field really for the last now what 10 to 15 years i disagree this team is this league is so weird and we see so many weird results on a weekly basis and the vikings have played poor so poorly in chicago for so long including last year i disagree Uh, Putting phone calls out to kickers after a miss from Kai Forbath. He's had the troubles with the extra points, and now he finally misses his first field goal, but the uh, accumulation this year has not been all that great. Actually going to, I will disagree with that, because given today's, I think think the snap was awful. The snap came in low and, and looked like it almost rolled, and the holder, I think, got the ball spun around, so it wasn't a terrible hold. But I will disagree. I'm not sure that I hold that miss completely against Kai, uh, Kai Forbath. Agree or disagree, we can expect Michael Floyd this year to have more than 30 catches and four touchdowns. Going to have to disagree based on last year's production. 
You're going to go with the low. Agree or Lower. disagree? Is uh, Laquan Treadwell is just uh, he's over that that he will not be a part of this offense at all ever again. Ooh, first round pick, writing him off. Agree? I don't see anything there. Do you? No. I mean, like you said, it's all. I mean, they threw two deep passes for him today, including one in the end zone, which, by the way, was the exact pass that we had read. Treadwell will catch these, and he never had a chance. There's no separation whatsoever. Uh, agree or disagree? The Kyle Rudolph that we saw today will be uh, the Kyle Rudolph for the rest of the season, and can be a reasonable weapon down the field. Agree. He can be definitely. I think where he fits in this offense now is much better than where it was last year. If he's an occasional weapon, that's great. If you have to throw to him 83 times, something probably has gone wrong. Sure. And Keenum today uh, had him on a seam route where I believe that Bradford would have hit him for a substantial gain. And there was, I would say, Collar, a handful of Keenum passes today that were just terrible. That was one of them. Agree or disagree, you expected this team to be 2-2 two and two after four games. Uh, agree, actually. I think I had them on nine wins, so I can't go back now and say I expected a ton. I think this is one that you could have expected to win against Detroit. Sure. But you don't expect Delvin Cook to be injured for the rest of the season. Right. Not well, confirmed yet. We're just that well, it's hard not to put those two and two together. And they there. were down by seven. Um, excuse me. They were up, I believe, seven to six when he got hurt. Uh, the Lions drove down, scored a touchdown, got the, the two-point conversion uh, to go up 14-7 to seven at that time. And I told you, at that, point, at that time, it felt like they were down by 21. When Cook got hurt, I felt like the energy in the building, and especially on the home sideline, was completely sapped away. Agree or disagree? This is a bigger question, a little more philosophical for you, and then we'll wrap up. Adam Thielen has cost this team essentially two games with mistakes, fumbles, whatever, in his short career of stardom. And never has he been touched with any sort of criticism. Ooh. Well, he definitely cost him the Dallas game. There's no question, right? No doubt about it. That fumbled punt return was, uh, was cost him huge. He and today, catches that ball today on the other side of the 50. I yep. mean, they've got a good chance right there to score. I, now, I understand why that might be that he's been so terrific yep. and he is such a likable character being undrafted and now to where he is at this point. But I mean, you have a chance to win this game and he fumbles in the middle of the field and it's not the first time where that's happened to him. Well, I don't know how much I agree that he, that, that cost them today's game. It certainly, it certainly hurt them a lot, but I do agree that the criticism towards him is nil. I mean, you could look at you could look at especially today the punt return job. If you recall, Cheryl's got hurt last year, and so he was taken out of his comfort zone. Now he screwed it up, but that was a job that he was asked to do after the starter got hurt. But today is on him completely, mm -hmm. and you're probably right. There probably will not be much written or said about the fact that you have to hold on to that ball. I mean, that's what he's good at, right? Possession guy catches things thrown to him and holds on the ball. So I see where you're going, and I partially definitely agree with it. Okay, a uh, really rough loss for the Minnesota Vikings today, and we will update you on Delvin Cook as we go forward, 1500ESPN.com, and we will be back podcasting again. You know what? Actually, Judd, I'm going to have a real pro step in, so probably maybe Courtney will be back on Wednesday. I'm out? Oh, no, actually, uh, Thursday, because they're off well, Wednesday. I'm out?
Yeah, you're out. Oh, I thought I might be able to join in. No. I thought I might That's... be able. I thought we might have all three of us on. Bad idea. Oh. The oh. less of you, the better. Wow, you are hogging the mic now. You are. Well, you know what? If you're going to give me the day off. I'll take it. You know, ever since I got twins baseball to worry about. Oh, that's true. Quite frankly, this football team bores me now. I mean, ever since uh, Ben left the Purple Podcast, my ego has just gone through Who? the roof. So, yeah, never mind. Forget about him. All right. Well, we'll see you again. Well, if you're going to have me. I'm. I'm not going to be on with you. That's yeah, fine. I mean, we'll you don't have me on anymore. Yeah, we'll. Thanks talk for having me on. You know what? You're day to day. All right. See you.